Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Good morning. I'm going to have a conversation with you before we move into the practice, which is my style of teaching. I frame my style of teaching as therapeutic. That's the attempt, it's a therapeutic approach. And it's the top-down, down-up approach. What happens in the mind manifests in the body. What manifests in the body is in the mind. And so how to create pathways between body and mind that are wise. They're not always wise. We're not always wise. It's kind of the way it goes. And how to focus on specific parts of the body and to get a sense of what's happening, of what's, hap what's happening in those specific parts of the body. Because our body is consistently telling us things. Those are the aches and pains that you feel <laughs> in your body. And uh, things that aren't quite right in your body. And you know what those are. And those are messages. Like, hey, you need to pay attention to me. You've been ignoring me, depriving me long enough. And I have a voice here. And it's now time you pay attention. And so my approach is designed to focus in on where there's a lack of ease before it manifests into disease. That's waiting for all of us, if we're not paying attention. And so this practice is preventative in various different ways as I see it. And so the top set of classes, I introduce a theme, talk about the theme, and see if it lives in your body. And it does. That's what's so fascinating, because we're not that different. <laughs> We look different, of course, but the insides and what's happening in the mechanics of what's happening in our human experience is not so different. Even though we're convinced that nobody is quite like us, nobody could possibly understand who I am. And we can hold that and it keeps us isolated and lonely. And so, again, my approach is to break through some of those bar barriers and have vulnerable conversations and maybe you'll learn something about yourself this morning. That's definitely the intention. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Just kind of rolling around doing weird poses and breaths and stuff like that. So the idea is to learn something. And that's the posture of being a student. So the focus of this conversation in this class is the curse of being nice. Ah, the curse of being nice. How fitting. And so the idea is to find yourself in this conversation because you're in it, for sure. There is a piece of us that plays nice in this world. And it's cursed because it leads us to places that we don't necessarily want to go. What's waiting for us in this is misery, something like that. <laughs> and there's no escaping that. It's a miserable path playing out being nice. And so I'm going to create an argument around this and see how it goes. So the curse of being nice. The drive to be nice is a coping mechanism that suppresses your personal needs and places other needs in the forefront. So your needs are more important than mine. I'm consistently focused on you. If I am, you'll see me as nice. And if I'm nice, you'll probably keep me around. That's nice. I'm nice. You keep me around. I'm not lonely. 
I have a place. Somebody pays attention to me sometimes. And so that's good. So I'll continue to play this nice part out. The nicer I am, most likely, more people will like me. That's the mindset. Something like that. Why do we play this out? Agreeable people are conflict avoidant and will attempt to keep the peace at all costs. In this archetype, this strategy, we do not like conflict. Ah, conflict. Somebody's not happy with me. This is not good. And so I have to fix this as quickly as possible and make it quite right as quickly as possible. So that person's happy. I can be nice and we can be nice to each other. And that's better than conflict. We'll give up all sorts of things, pieces of ourselves to try and suppress or to negotiate peace. And sometimes we'll abandon our needs and our values in that attempt, which ultimately will thin us out so much so there'll be nothing left. The cost is that you lose yourself and other people's needs and no longer know what you want, which is very easy to get to. And I imagine that's true in one of your relationships right now, at least one. That perhaps you don't quite know what you're doing in that relationship and what you actually want potentially in this relationship. And that's always the risk and consequence. If we pay attention to what's outward, there's not much attention on the in. And that's where we start to abandon ourselves. That's the great betrayal. You're, important, you're more important than me. And so what I, whatever I have to do to contribute to, to you, I will. As a consequence, you're vulnerable and weak and unable to negotiate on your own behalf because you don't know how. You're too busy being nice. <laughs> Part of negotiation is it is a challenge. And there's some conflict in negotiation at times. It's not an easy process to negotiate for anything, especially on your own behalf, especially if you don't know what you want. These are big problems. That accompanied by being in a weakened state because you haven't been taking care of yourself is very challenging because there's not much of you to, to be able to generate the energy and the posture to negotiate on your own behalf. And this is a dangerous position. It's set up to be consistently, you've set yourself up to be consistently exploited and harmed. And that's happened. If you're honest with yourself, you've been exploited and harmed as a consequence of you not standing for yourself. That's happened in your life for sure. It's quite likely it's happening now and it'll definitely happen in the future in some way. You won't stand for yourself and you'll feel exploited. Welcome to relationships, <laughs> especially close relationships, even more specific, intimate relationships. Ooh, delicate. That's how these things can play out. And soon that's all we are is somebody that is so naive that they're consistently exploited and harmed.
And the idea is to really think about that and where that's played out for you in your life, because it has. And to notice how that felt. And you can ask yourself, did you like it? <laughs> Ideally, you would say, no, it was horrible. Maybe it is horrible right now. It's like, okay, how do I pull myself out of this? So I'm less like this. I set myself up for this. Instead of blaming everybody else, it's like, okay, how can I put myself together in a way that leads me into a better version of myself? And that's the attempt always. I see myself in this for sure. There's definitely, it's, it, it, it activates my disgust response when I think about myself like this in the past, just like deeply disgusted with myself that I was, I was willing to allow myself to get there. And where I see it is in intimate relationships. That's where I've seen it. I would say that uh, I was married at one point. I was for like 10 years. Pretty good run. <laughs> but what I noticed in the marriage, I was that. I'd become that. Not only I was taught that, because I witnessed it in my family lineage, that archetype, that behavior, I embodied it. And it definitely showed up in my marriage. And so I wasn't standing up for what was important to me. I was too busy having attention on someone else. And I've noticed that in intimate relationships, that I have a proclivity to give more of myself than is needed. It's irresponsible of me to give more of myself away. So there's less of me available. It's not good. And I've noticed that. And how over the many, over the last many years, I've been trying to reorient myself <laughs> to get myself out of that experience. Because what I notice is that was the demise of relationships, in part. Not totally. But who wants to be with that? <laughs> Not too many people. I don't even want to be my, with myself in that state. So who the hell would want to be with me? It's very strange. And when I started to dissect it that much more, I started to see my, my reluctance to be in conflict, my reluctance to be in conflict. And specifically with women, Ooh, I don't like it, <laughs> like at all. It's terrifying. And I also learned that I witnessed that of how terrifying that was in my life that also lived in my family lineage. And even more of an inquiry, what I started to notice was I wasn't really in conflict with a woman. I was in conflict with the ideal I had of a woman. And that was pretty interesting. It's still very interesting to me. The image that shows itself reveals itself in conflict, which is not the person. It's the ideal I have of like, ah, the beast has revealed itself <laughs> and I'm no longer safe and this is going to hurt and I will be harmed. And this came to me a few days ago when I was thinking about this. It's like, what is that vision I have? In some ways, it was like a dragon, but that's not, that's not true. You know, they can like eat me or I don't know, blow fire on me kind of experience. It's Medusa. 
You know Medusa? The woman with the snakes for hair? And if she looks at you, you turn to stone, that's it. That's my ideal of women in conflict. And that came to me from uh, a movie I watched as a young boy. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I watched this and it like cemented itself into my imagination. And so whatever reason that just like cemented itself, that's the vision. That's the ideal of women I have in conflict, Medusa. Do not look. Do not look. And I didn't. It's very strange. I'll be harmed. You'll turn me into stone so I can't look at you. That's what happened in conflict for me. Eyes down, weak, not having the capacity to see, address, solve problems, negotiate. I didn't have the access. That ideal would not allow me to have that access. It was very strange. I've been thinking about this for years. And it just came to me a couple of days ago and it's like, aha, there you are. There you are. And it's such an important piece of information I now have. Because it's like, you're not Medusa. You're not Medusa. It's like, aha, you're actually an individual that I can see and have a conversation with. Maybe you want to harm me. Sometimes, probably. <laughs> but I can see you differently. And I think that's what's so fascinating about our imagination. And that's true for each of us. If I break this up, which may be controversial, that's fine. Men have a particular idea, ideal of women. Two, I'd say. One much more promising. <laughs> and one is the terror. Important to pay attention to. And I also believe that's true, women of men. Women have an ideal of men, whatever that is. One that's promising and one that is harmful. And to know those are so bloody important because then you have an idea of what you're actually dealing with. And it's not the person. It's you and your imagination. And to be able to break apart that ideal so you can move into a conversation is critical, it's key. That's where negotiation lives. So I'm quite delighted with this insight. I'm speaking it kind of like out real time. I haven't put all this together yet, but it's like, woo, Medusa. I even Googled it last night just to get an image in my head. It's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's you. You horrifying thing. <laughs> and so what I've noticed over the years of how to grapple with myself and get myself into a position where I can actually negotiate is through aggression. It's to be able to generate the aggression I need to inform my body to stand up straight, to get my eyes open and to prepare for combat, which is negotiation in various different ways. It's, a, it's combative. And being nice, we have no access to our aggression. That's a problem. We won't go there because it's conflict-oriented. Being aggressive, we're in conflict. Ha! Ah, I don't like this feeling. 
don't like the feeling. So I don't want to feel that way. And so I won't use it. I won't use that part of myself. And it will die not being used. That's what I love about this practice of yoga. It is not bloody peaceful. It can be at times great. But that's not the whole practice. The practice is to get a hold of yourself in the way in which you need to get a hold of yourself. So there's more of you available. All these poses and breath practice and kriyas and all these different things. It's about moving your energy and aim it where you need it the most. So you can generate the results that you need. And you need certain results in your life that you're not getting right now. And isn't it amazing that this practice is right in front of you? That you could build the version of yourself you need today. You could do that. And do something good for yourself today as a consequence of your efforts on your mat. Do what you need to do. Say what you need to say. And so I see it, aggression as the antidote. The intent must be to integrate your aggression where the shadier parts of you are included in your force of character. Ha! And you're shady, damn it. <laughs> we all are. That shady part of us. We kind of push off to the side. Scared of, embarrassed of. That's the part you want to pull in. Because it's needed. It gives you strength of character. The integration allows you to compete and cooperate in ways that are not possible by playing nice. And that is absolutely true. Playing nice, you'll get crushed every single time. Especially if anybody has any skill. They'll see it. They'll smell it. They'll know that you're playing nice and there's nothing to you. And there's plenty of people like that in the world. Plenty. Looking for that nice side of us. Specifically, you'll be able to negotiate on your own behalf, which is critical for your self-preservation. And that is true. If you can't stand for yourself, there's nothing to you. And at some point, you'll collapse. The preconditions to do so are, you have to know what you want. That's important. <laughs> Plenty of people have no idea what they want. I've worked with a lot of people over the years. Some people have no clue what they want. Specifically in the relationship they're in. I have no idea. They're so busy paying attention to everybody else. Your needs are more important than mine. So I have no needs. Learn to communicate your needs, what you want, and have the capacity to set the proper boundaries. That's like its own little universe. I want this. I'm saying I want this. And these are the boundaries that support this. And I want you to support this and to respect me wanting this. If this is good for me, it's also good for you. I'll be better. And if I'm better, you'll be better. If we're better, the relationship will be better. Which is a very difficult thing to negotiate. Because it doesn't happen immediately. It's over a span of time. Change is extraordinarily difficult. And the strength of character to negotiate for yourself in a relationship like that, oof, will require a plenty of courage. And what a great stance to have. To pull this off, you have to be built on a sound foundation as well as have options. The sound foundation is you. The foundation is your body. And what inhabits your body 
your being, your character. This practice, you're building yourself into something. That's the intent. So you leave this studio 60 minutes from now different. You have a better sense of your foundation, which is you, your body. And your mind does not want that. That's what's so weird about being a human being. That's the conflict. Your mind has no desire to be with your body. It wants you up here, detached from your body. So you have no foundation. So this rules your life and often can. The idea is pushing yourself down into your body, pushing your thoughts into your body. Stop playing games up there, you jokester. <laughs> There's good things down here for us. This is our foundation. If you don't have options, you can't negotiate. It's always good to have options. It's where you have to think and use your imagination and to lay out options for yourself, as many as you can. If you have options and don't use them as a tool of negotiation, you lose. Knowing you have options that would make your life better, but you don't use them, you'll lose. You'll lose within yourself, you lose within a relationship, you lose in life. And how important that is to have options out in front of you, as many as you can generate. And to skillfully work through them. And to use as many as you need to, to better your situation. And as I mentioned, if you're better, others are better. If you're both better, your relationship is better. And that's not true all the time. It's definitely not true all the time. We know that. But you can still stand for yourself in the attempt to make things better. Thanks for hearing all this. I like to chew these things out. <laughs> the way I hold my teaching, it's it's um, there's an element to self-preservation. <laughs> And I'm tempting to make sense of myself in the presence of others. And perhaps if I do, it'll make sense to somebody else. And if it does, what a wonderful thing. And so I have a question for you. I like asking questions. <laughs> Where do you have a tendency of playing nice? Where is that? Maybe it's everywhere. I don't know, who knows? <laughs> but can you see yourself in a relationship where you're playing nice, where you're avoidant, conflict avoidance, where your attention is on keeping somebody peaceful so they're happy, <laughs> so you don't have to <laughs> experience any kind of disruption? That's the definition in some ways. Anybody get a sense of that? Your boss? Okay, great, thank you. A quick answer, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody. Okay. Okay. Right, just a lot. Stay up all night trying to figure it out, have the, the plan where everybody can be happy. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, thanks for saying that.
Yeah, so it's like kids, husband, parents, family, and so on and so forth. Okay, really good. Anybody else? It's your wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. Thanks for laying that out. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say the situation you said you're in a situation. What is it? You don't have to get into great detail, but a disruption. for saying all that like how you said that you know it's like the ideal the vision you have is like delicate flower and that's how you've been attempting to relate to your wife and how that hasn't worked out very well for you and led you into this state which is conflict so really good thanks for laying that out Right. <laughs> yeah. So that showed up in your last relationship. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Sharing, giving yourself, and then it's like, whoa, where am I in this equation? Very good. Okay. I imagine each of you know in your own way. The idea is to combat this part of you because you know it's not good for you. And all you do is have to think about it this topic concept for a moment, you'll notice where this has shown up and revealed itself in your life and how it's not good for you. It always leads into conflict. And so the focus of this practice is on your lumbar spine. Where we can hold on the right side, this experience where we can't be, I can't be myself and must please others. <laughs> I can't be myself, I must please you. And on the left side, I don't deserve to be happy. A hell of a thing. That's a very challenging perspective to take on. That's true, you have it. We all have that perspective. We don't deserve to be happy. It's crushing. These experiences destabilize our spine. So much so we're spineless. We cannot be that way in this world. We've got to have a spine. To pull ourselves up. Pa! So your eyes are up and open. <laughs> and you're facing what you need to face as often as you possibly can. As horrifying as it is, it is the posture. Some say that's the posture of a yogi. Aligned to everything all of the time. Aligned to everything all of the time. Whew. And so welcome to the practice. Thrilled that you're here. Thanks for chewing this out with me. <laughs>